0: Welcome to the Grace Capital Church Podcast, broadcasting from our Manchester campus. Well, I'm glad you guys are with us this evening. I'm excited. Like Pastor Mark was saying, this series is going to be super exciting. Um, Something just about the aspect of four different areas where we can go, that's what we're going to be covering in the next four weeks. One, going to your neighbor. Another to the world. Another to the lost and the least. And then finally, we're going to to the marketplace where God has called us all to work, right? So whatever that looks like for you, God has placed you there on purpose. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Guys, I can't even go on without saying how incredible last weekend was. Oh, man. I just I was I came out of that completely revived. There was just such an incredible spirit of joy and jubilee. Just that because this is the year of jubilee, right? So how fitting was it that on the day that we re, that we celebrated the resurrection, this place was hopping. And I pray that this would not come to an end. Do you know what I'm saying? It, it it's it's true that we are the ones that bring the joy into this into the house of God, right? Just like God called commanded His people to come in with the oil right that burned, He also commands us to come in ready to rock and roll when we come to worship, right and sometimes we need that little jump start, we need the worship team just to to jump start us, and it was a very soft and and meaningful time of praise today that just meant so much to me to get before the lord and and his righteousness. That's what I just keep coming back to. His righteousness that covers every sin. How incredible. And because of that, because of that joy I get to share in, I get to preach about going into the world. Because He has washed and renewed me, He has given me life and life abundantly, I get to go into the world and share Jesus with everybody else. How does that look? You know, first off, Mark said it, uh, our only job here as pastors and leaders is to equip the body. Because each one of us is being charged as Christians to go off into the world. And we're going to look at what it looks like to go to our neighbors. Okay, three doors down. Three doors down. Not the band. Do they even exist? Do they still exist? I hear, I see a couple of nods. Yeah, I never really got into them. But I could tell you, I'm not talking about that three doors down. I'm talking about the neighbors that live three doors down from you. Do you know them? Do you know them? Do you even care? (laughs) That's a great question. How about this? Do they even know that you exist? Because Jesus actually does believe. Jesus believes that they should know you exist. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about how to impact the people that God has placed us next to. And you might be saying, Jorgen, you don't even know my neighbors. You don't know my neighbors. They're nuts. Well, let me just, just tell you something. I live in a condo. If anybody should complain, (laughs) no, I'm just teasing. No, honestly, I have very, very close neighbors. And when I say close, I'm not talking about relationship. I'm literally talking proximity because they are right next door and I hear conversations. And honestly, it's a wonderful place to live. And I, I can't even, I can't complain one bit. I have incredible neighbors. We have the most interesting neighbors and yet some of the most unassuming neighbors You've ever, you've ever, you. I mean, sometimes you say, does anybody live in there? You know, the lights are always off, they're not. Well, why don't you just go up and knock on the door and find out, right? Do they know you? Do they know you exist? See, each person that lives in and around you have a story. Each person has a story. Every person has an entry point into relationship. Every one of them. We need to care about that. As a church, we need to care about their story. Can I just, can you, can you hear that? Everyone has an entry point to relationship. I know that if I was sitting where you are, I would have a hard time with this. Because as I was writing this, I'm deeply convicted that my own neighbors are not as close relationally as I would like them to be. And that's completely on me. It's not on them. That's on me. I know better. I'm a Christian. So... As a church, people are important to us. This, people are our mission. And why is that? Why are people our mission? Because God's treasure is people. God's treasure is every individual, the neighbors that you live next to. Okay? I don't want to be responsible in the end of my life coming to a place where God says, Jorgen, why, did not, why didn't you reach out to them? Now, this, now, I'm not putting undue pressure on us, right? Because that could put a hypersensitivity to everything. We go around trying to reach everybody because we don't want to be judged at the end of our lives. No, I'm not talking about that. I know God's heart for people. And that's why I think that we need to have just a little bit of sensitivity to that. Right? God cares about your neighbors. Remember, it, was, it wasn't animals that God made in his image. It was you and I. That's why we're precious to him. We stand apart. We're unique. So our mission as Grace Capital Church is to go and create communities that build people, families, and leaders to know and enjoy the presence of God and to restore every person, town, and city. That is a huge mission. And that's important for us to to see and know. If we have that slide up there, I'd like you to put it up there because I want you to see the the mission and I want it to be driven into your hearts. Go create communities that build people, families, and leaders to know and enjoy the presence of God and to restore every person, town, and city. You see, God has placed us in this crazy, wild story that he is writing. We have the privilege, and he's given us a mission. He's literally writing every day of your life. And with each one of us, we have different stories, and and God totally does this. It's incredible. He weaves our stories with other people throughout our lifetime. How amazing. I want you to get that. Your story is being written and all these other stories become like this fabric. You have been given a purpose as a believer. It's a super simple command, go and make disciples of all na- of all nations. But I want us to read exactly what Jesus was talking about in this main area of scripture that we believe really launches this whole idea go for this series. Turn with me to Matthew 28:16 through 20. Grab your Bibles. How's everybody doing? You guys good? I'm I'm like super jazzed up today, and it could be the fact that I've had a lot of coffee all day long. <laughs> but I am and also seeing friends that I haven't seen forever. You know, I think that's pretty awesome too. Yeah, Matthew 28:16 through 20. Matthew 28:16 through 20. And it says here, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, why not 12 because Judas was gone. That's why 11. <laughs> now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them, and when they saw him, Talk about a command. Talk about a sending out. Talk about a mission statement he gave it to each and every one of us, right? I want you to understand just the impact of this verse. Sometimes we go directly to 19 and we forget the whole other part of this beautiful aspect of Scripture. Um, When Jesus directed them to go to Galilee, what he was doing was he was actually telling them to go back to the start. Remember Jesus? He was from Galilee. You remember Peter, James, John, all of his disciples, he chose from Galilee. What he was doing was he was saying, I want you to come back to Galilee where you first began, becoming my disciples. And that was a powerful statement. What he was doing was he was reminding them of where they began their lives as apprentices on this journey with their new rabbi. Jesus literally brought them back to where they grew up. You see, Jesus called his disciples unlike any other rabbi that there was because as a rabbi, when you, if you wanted to study under a rabbi, you have to understand that you, you weren't chosen by the rabbi walking down the street like Jesus did. You, you actually applied to be an apprentice someone who would journey you know underneath the the care of a rabbi, and you would literally be be vetted through this system and and the rabbis would only take the top, kind of like what the Ivy League colleges do to grab the very top people that apply for the role that 's what the rabbis did in that day and age, but Jesus did it totally different. And I love this because literally he chose guys that didn't have a chance. Think about that. Jesus chose guys that had no chance, like you and me. I am not the brightest matchstick in the box. It's true. I literally just made that up too. So maybe I am right now. No, I'm just, no I, I, honestly, we, what, what chances do we have? Jesus chose these men and said, go and make disciples like I made you. I, I find that comforting to know that he has given me a purpose. Now it does say that some of the when he appeared that some of the disciples doubted. Did they doubt it was Jesus? Or did they doubt that their journey as disciples came to an end? Did they doubt that whatever relationship that they once had with Jesus, do they think that maybe for an instant that everything that they were moving on had come to an end? Some people worshiped him and others doubted. It doesn't say clearly why they doubted, it just said that they did, but I tell you what, when Jesus opened his mouth, he answered both, both questions. Right? If he was Jesus, if, if he wasn't Jesus, he cleared it up by saying, all power and authority, I've been given in heaven and earth. And then he commanded them to go, he gave them a clear and concise mission. Go, therefore. I love it. He starts off by talking about the authority, by giving authority. What Jesus was saying to them was, go and continue on this journey that I called you to. This this journey that I have you on continue to go on this journey and keep doing what I had showed you. Healing the sick, raising the dead, doing miracles, caring for the marginalized, teaching the ways of the kingdom of God just as they did before the crucifixion. Powerful. You see, Jesus Christ came to reveal God to all humanity. Go and do the same is exactly what he was saying to them. Continue on your journey. What happens to each of us right now in this situation? Why don't we take that more seriously as Christians? Why don't we do that? I know that the church can put pressure, and I say church, I mean leadership, can put pressure on believers, right? But think about it just for a second. Where you are sitting right now, the reason why you're sitting there is because of the love of Jesus that God gave freely. Right? He tied us all together into relationship. Talk about interweaving stories. Right? He, who is God, who is love, he's like the gel that brought us all together. Otherwise, we'd be just like walking by each other at the grocery store, most likely. But we're here. Why is it that when we, it comes to certain things like God's love, we accept his love so freely, but sometimes when it's the commands that Jesus gives, we think they're optional? Why did we do that? It's not optional. This is Jesus. He's commanding. Man, does he have so much grace. (laughs) Because there's still some of us that don't want to get up and go down, three doors down to the neighbor and say, hey, how you doing, man? Like, what's your life like? There's a a starter right there for you. If you want to know how to strike up a conversation, just walk right over. Hey, what's your life like? (laughs) Oh, man. Just make sure that you plan a lot of time. So 1 Corinthians 6.19 says this, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, from whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. I love that. You have been paid for by the blood of Jesus. We celebrated Him on the day He was resurrected. We were sobered, wonderfully sobered on Good Friday. If you were here, what a night that was. You see, the the love that God had given to each one of us, the price that He paid, He paid for each and every one of us. And therefore, we are not our own, but we are the living temple. This is what's amazing to me. God. Now, in in, in ancient times, and actually even today, Hindus and Buddhists and Muslims uh, think about all the other isms and religions out there that people go to a church to experience the presence of God, Christianity, and then people come to a church To experience the presence of God. But what does God say? He lives inside of you. When I said that when you show up here on a Saturday night, that doesn't mean that you wait to be wooed. You wait for the songs to get you going. You come with the presence of God. Because the presence of God is inside of you. The Holy Spirit is inside of you. You are the first mobile temples. How awesome is that? Now God is literally going. The presence of God is no longer in a place. It's inside of you and you go. Right? And he goes to this person and this person and this person. You know what? What happens in the temple? The presence of God is revealed. Where you go, I pray, the presence of God is revealed to those people that you walk into. Right? And I'll tell you what. What? Some it is not your righteousness. don't try to cover that over. You could see that a mile away. <laughs> it is the righteousness that God has given you, right? He's revealed himself, and that's all he has to do is you need to be that vessel, that temple where the Holy Spirit resides, right Now Jesus says. He's going to be with you to the very end of the age, until your time on earth is done. Mm. You see, the power of God, that's the other point, the power of God that is in you is unlike any other religion, because he reciprocates. When people go to temples, They are giving worship, hoping to receive something, hoping to be okay, hoping to be justified or whatever, be spared, I don't know, attain this enlightenment. But God is the only God that reciprocates, right? There's interaction, relationship, and that's what I'm trying to talk about with regards to going to your neighbor. It's all about relationship. Now, He created us to have a depth of relationship. He created us to have not just a verbal exchange, but when God is in the mix, there is a deeper form of relationship. Man, we, we experience that. A deeper form of relationship. Powerful. Where the Holy Spirit shows up. Something deep takes place. That's etched in my heart. Forever. Forever. Jesus is addressing the Jewish scribes who are arguing amongst themselves about what was the greatest of all commandments. And Jesus says to him in Mark 12.31, it says this, Jesus answered, the scribes, the most important is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. In verse 31, it says, The second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. What Jesus did right there is he actually bridged two areas of Scripture. Leviticus 19.18, which is the second part, and Deuteronomy 6.19. I think, I didn't write, no, six five that is, I did write it down, Leviticus 19.18, but he started with Deuteronomy 6.5, and what he was doing was this, he was saying, God stands apart from every other God, there is no God like him, he was putting himself right out there, you don't have to search anywhere else, one God, you come before him. And give everything, heart, mind, soul, your strength to Him. And then He says, in the same breath, love your neighbor as yourself. And what's interesting is this prayer, the, the uh, Shema Israel, it's, it's this prayer that Jews prayed. It was a part of their, it, they knew that so well. They were praying it all the time. But then Jesus brought in the second part of this prayer. This prayer, the prayer was in from Deuteronomy 6.5, right? Then he brings in love your neighbor as yourself. Literally what he was doing was completing the law in one phrase. Because when you love the Lord your God, and then when you love your neighbor, you're literally completing, fulfilling the law of God. And remember Jesus came, he said, I'm not going to remove a single dot or tittle from the entire law. He said, that's not going to come to an end. He said, what I will do is I'm going to fulfill the law. So he comes in power and authority, fulfills the law, gives us the Holy Spirit. God writes it on our hearts, and then we're supposed to live it out. We're supposed to walk into the worlds God has called us to and interweave our story with others' stories. So let's talk about this. What, what is does like loving my neighbor actually look like? For me, I have to well, let's start from this perspective here. Guys, what makes you feel love? What makes you feel love? When someone does something for you, go ahead, shout it out. We're going to take a drink Hello. <laughs> food yeah right what else quality time right on man uh-huh hugs affirmations i figured that <laughs> listening who said that you see that's absolutely the case there's more the, uh, the five love languages okay pick that book up and study it it's not just for married folks okay it's for everybody Okay, it literally helps you understand the five different love languages, and those are all entry points into relationship with other people. So for me, when somebody you know calls me out and says, "Hey, I want to, I want to uh, grab a coffee with you," and then they buy me a coffee, man, I'm like, "Oh my <laughs> god!" You know, it's a little warm here. You know, thank you. <laughs> so humbled. Or a box of ammo, either one, you know. Oh, I'm just teasing. Mark said, don't do that. I'm sorry I did it. (laughs) No, that's But truly, um, I got to be honest with you guys. But you see, sometimes it's literally just someone sitting down with me. Nick, when you said quality time, I never really thought of myself as a quality time person. But when someone sits down with me and shares their story with me, I could literally listen to them all day long. There's something so powerful, something so powerful in story, and something so powerful about someone trusting you with their life. So how do you start those in- interactions? Well, we all have neighbors. I'm assuming we all do. And one way or the another. you know, proximity-based. The next time that you see your neighbor, maybe we should just all commit to buying them a cup of coffee. Hey, I've been living next to you for like 11 years now. We haven't even grabbed a cup of coffee. Right? Invite them over for dinner. Spend some time. Wedge out our busy lives. One of the, the, the greatest downfalls of our American culture is we are too busy with sports, all good things. We are too busy with our extracurricular activities. We're so busy with school. We're so busy with extra work, second jobs, all of these things. And we've forgotten the framework of what makes us human. Why God called us to be in relationship. You wonder why our American culture looks the way it does. It's literally because we've forgotten how to actually call each other up on the phone and say, hey, man, it's been like a day. How are you doing? <laughs> I used to have friends that would pick up the phone and we would talk until like four in the morning. And it wasn't a girl. It was, it was like my best friend, like, hey, man, tell me what's going on in your life. Or it would be like, you know, those times where you were dealing with difficult things. Why is it we run from the messy things of life? Well, I think a lot of it is because we don't want to be inconvenienced, because we have so much. But I want to share with you this. When we focus on others and not ourselves, the supernatural happens. I want us to read Philippians 2, verse 1 through 11. Okay? It's not on the screen, but I'm going to explain this to you. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Holy Spirit, any affection and and sympathy, all of these things that uh, that I'm reading right now are about relationship with God, with Jesus. That's what Paul is saying any encouragement in Christ, comfort from love, participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, all of these things are related to our relationship with Christ. In verse 2, it says, Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. See, this is the language of Christ. This 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 is exactly mirroring the prayer that Jesus prayed to the, to God the Father about his his church his disciples. He said, "God, let them be of one mind." So Paul has essentially taken on the mind of Christ as he's saying this. It's all about relationship with neighbors. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but to the interests of others. When we focus on others and not on ourselves, the supernatural happens. What Paul is saying is go one step further. So it's it's not just, hey, having a conversation with somebody in the yard. You know, you're raking your leaves. You're out there doing your thing, and you see your neighbor, hey, Bob, what's up, Bob? Hey, how you doing? Go one step further and invite them to have a cup of coffee with you. Invite them to have a dinner with you. Invite them to go... Shoot your guns. I don't know. You invite them to go golf. Do all kinds of things that you would, that again, what things, do you, that, what things make you alive? Where you feel love. Pour that out on them. Here's the thing. Discover others' interests. Show them love by discovering how they feel loved and what concerns them. Guys, these are action points, and I want us to grow in this. Share your story with them. Allow the Holy Spirit to direct your voice to direct your words. Don't worry about trying to preach to them the gospel in your first connecting, connecting conversation. Just share your story and allow them to share their story with you and build that trust and be worthy of that trust. Let the Holy Spirit do the rest. Go one step further. That's That's the way we need to think. Go one step further. Show love. I will say this, guys. Gals, make sure that you create healthy environments for these conversations. Man with a man, woman with a woman, couples with couples, families with families. Let your let your let your engagements be clear, and let the expectations be known. Hey, we're just here to talk, man. That's it. We're here to talk. We're, I want to get to know you. That's it. Watch what God does when you open the door to the Holy Spirit to do the work. Powerful. And in doing so, verse 5 of Philippians. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though He was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him a name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father. Guys, we have been chosen. Each one of you have have been chosen to glorify God. This is your story. This is his story. He's living out with you now. Be open to where he points you. Guys, be listening for his voice. Go by his cues. If you are not filled with the Holy Spirit, I want to pray with you to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that you hear his voice clearly. But let us pray together that we would come together as a church and truly go to our neighbor's our first step in this four-part series. Amen? Stand together with me. Guys, I don't want to just see revival. I do not want to just see revival. People are praying for revival. I am praying that it happens. I want to see reformation. I want to see where the entire structure, the framework of our American country gets changed, flipped on its head. That every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We're going to take communion together. That's why we're all standing. Typically, communion has been somewhat of a somber time and place, but I want to uh, invite the uh, Pell they're going to give our ceremony of taking communion together. And just so that they don't have to worry about the uh, how-to's, let me explain. They're going to lead us through communion. We have two places right here. Okay? I would like this group of people to go first go through, grab, and go back and sit down this group, then exit your seats, come around and grab your stuff and sit down and then the last group, okay? That's the logistics of the night. Jim, Maurice, you guys can come up. We Hello everybody, I think uh, this is going to be the easiest time to do communion with the fact that Easter just went by, the whole reason we do communion. So with that, we let us take a moment to prepare ourselves as the Lord instructs us to clear our hearts and prepare ourselves to be before Him. We'll take a moment of silence for each of us to pray. come forward and take the elements and return to our seats. We'll all partake together. I think we start. Probably already took care of that. That's right. Sorry. I don't want to confuse it. So on the night in which he was betrayed he took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said take it and eat it this is my body which is broken for you this is in remembrance of me In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Guys, what we've done is we are partaking with Jesus in this great commission that he has called us to. We're going to spend our time together tonight worshiping God. We're going to celebrate him and we're going to celebrate the fact that you and I have been chosen to be the image bearers of God. Those temples we're going to go into the earth and make disciples of all nations it can't start we can't hit the nations until we begin to connect right here in our own backyard and what i love about it is that it's not about making converts it's about developing relationships because god is the one who actually restored relationships right he restored our relationship with god And he's restoring our relationships to our neighbors. Let's all stand together. Father, we thank you so much that you have poured out your love and you have given us a purpose as believers to carry out. Lord, for those disciples that were wondering, God, is my mission, is my journey as a disciple, has it come to an end? But Jesus, you rose from the grave and you gave them because you had the authority, all all the authority in heaven and on earth. You were given and you charged your, your men. You brought them back to the very beginning and you said, go now to your neighbors. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we commit ourselves to you as a body to do the same to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to perform miracles, to bring, to usher in your Holy Spirit, to go one step further, to love. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father God. And with gratitude, Jesus, we now have come before you and we worship you. God, just as you called us to in spirit and in truth,